Welcome to episode 116. Are you a woman? Are you a man that lives with a woman? If there is any degree of woman going on in your life, then at some point you're going to reach the life transition phase known as menopause, which for some people with good genetics, good nutrition, good lifestyle and low toxin accumulation is actually a breeze. But for others, more often though, those in Western culture have an array of symptoms. Hot flushes, night sweats, weight gain, low energy and more often than not as well... Those people then respond to those situations with the wrong nutrition strategies and the wrong workout routines. Insert blame the 80s. And so, if you're a woman in your 40s or 50s, then this episode is definitely going to be one that you need to listen to. Or maybe you want to know how you can help support your partner or understand what is going on for your parents right now. This episode is full of gold nuggets all about nutrition, fitness, perimenopause and menopause. So... Let's dive into an episode where two men talk about women's issues. (laughs) Let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? I hope you've had a green vegetable kind of week and that you've been partnering those healthy carbs with delicious slabs of steak or ground beef. I seem to be living off that stuff lately. But the point is, protein, people, protein. Oh, yes, and it's my mission to coach 250 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy life that you truly want by the end of 2021. So, on today's episode, we have a women's transformation expert. And no, it's not me. (laughs) It's Lachlan Farley, whom credits him his fitness with preventing his own suicide. That's pretty heavy, right? So having found a love and passion for fitness, he dedicated his life to it and became qualified before high school was even over at 17. After completing his qualification, he earned himself a scholarship to play basketball in the USA and played in Orlando for three years. After returning to Australia, Lachlan picked up a job at a 24-7 gym and was disgusted with how they treated their customers with over 300 clients who had attended the gym less than three times. Have you ever signed up for a gym membership in a state of motivation and then never went back but kept paying for it? It's a thing people do, believe it or not. But Lachlan was outraged by this and so opened his own studio in 2013 with no idea how to do it but a drive with passion to make change in people's lives. Now he's the owner of the premier women's training studio in the Blue Mountains in Australia called Steps to Greatness, which supports women to get the right advice that is suited to them and where they are in life. Because as you know from listening to this show, context matters. Clients at Lachlan's Fitness Studio stay on for an average of three plus years, achieving all sorts of cool stuff like doing a chin-up for the first time, getting into clothes that haven't fit for 20 years, even climbing Mount Fuji, and entering the Masters Championships. And Lachlan and myself were connected through a mutual friend, so shout out to Tamika, and we hung out on a Zoom call and thought, we're going to get this conversation on a podcast. So here we are. Welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, mate? (laughs) I am excited. I'm, I'll tell you what I'm excited about. You're in Australia. So many of my guests are overseas and the conversations are when I've just dragged my sorry ass out of bed and I feel <laughs> awake for this conversation. <laughs> That's always a good start. Being awake for the conversation <laughs> kicks it off nice and well. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So a major part of your specialty is working with women in their sort of 40s and 50s. Like, What do you find most challenging or at least most interesting about working with this demographic? Um, for me, it's definitely one of those things where you know, like the old cliche that everyone's an individual. 
It is never yep. more true than when training women in their 40s, 50s. Like every single time I'm like, I've got this cracked. This is the, you know, one size fits all. Someone else will come in and throw, you know, a spanner in the works. So <laughs> it's a consistent, you know, battle of like, how can we tweak this? How can we make it better? Yes, we have an overarching frame, but Whenever I see these ads and people are like, oh, yeah, this will fix your menopause, I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> you, know, you need to see what the individual's dealing with. And especially like as their hormones, you know, kick in and man, they got a gut punch. Like some of the stuff I see is just, it's a raw deal. And it gives me great grat- like gratitude and feeling to come in and go, all right, I'm at least someone here to be like, yes, you are an individual. Let's do something about this. Because some of the stuff they deal with, I'm just like, oh, uh, I think us as men would just go crazy. Like, honestly, the things that they're talking about, I'm just like, mm, that's awful. <laughs> what are some of those things that come up that you are like, whoa, like, you know, I can't believe you went through that or experienced that? Or Well, one of the clients I'm working with at the moment, she can't get to sleep through the night because she wakes up with hot flushes. Like, she wakes up drenched in sweat. She, the thing she equated it to, she saw this someone... Um, who went through withdrawals from drugs. She's like, wow. that's the same The same description they gave is what she goes through every night. And it happens five to ten times a night. Wow. And interrupting that sleep, which is so important for hormonal regulation, fat loss, muscle building, like, shit, man, that's full on. That's it. You know, like, it's just savage. And then things like, you know, I had um, a client who she was down to 800 calories a day. And as you know, that's not, like oh. there's not enough food. There's nowhere near enough. And she was putting weight on. Like she's barely eating anything and she's putting weight on. And it's because one, that's the wrong method. But two, also her hormones were so fucked from years of like yo-yo dieting that she just couldn't sustainably lose weight. So, you know, you got these things and it's just unfair and like, you know, the way they recover sometimes, the way that weight loss comes on, where they store the weight, like all this kind of stuff. It's just inconsistent and no one's really talking about it. Like like I stumbled into this. I was asked the other day like how I got into this and I was like pretty much by accident. Like, you know, I was here, I opened my gym and I was like the people who consistently turned up were women in their 40s to 50s because no one would help. And I was like this is an audience screaming I need someone to step up and do something for me. I was like, all right, let's make it happen. That's awesome, man. I love that you did that. And I think it's important too that you noted the yo-yo dieting because women in their women and men as well, but in their 40s and 50s are people that grew up as teenagers in the eras, you know, the era of unlimited, unregulated advertising and a heap of bullshit, corrupt science, which was, you know, yo-yo dieting of the 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s. Like a lot of those people were teenagers in those years, totally susceptible to that, you know, whatever's on the TV or on the radio or on, in the newspaper and, and just going on these cycles for years up and down up and down up and down that's it and look the information's still there like and that's the scary part like you know sometimes i'm having arguments with these women and they're like no this is the thing and i'm like well clearly it's not because you wouldn't be here seeing me if it actually worked but it's so heavily ingrained in who they are that we have to break their barriers down bit by bit by bit so that we can go look this is what will actually work for you rather than all the crap you've been fed over the years. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's so much bullshit out there. And, and as you're saying, like it's so, it's so challenging to 
break through what is essentially indoctrination to a belief system that is based on advertising and no truth. (laughs) That's it. You know, between them and doctors, because like they have such a high place in them, like your general GP and some of the advice they're given, I'm just like, no, can you not? Like one of them was like, oh, you need to cut all carbs and go low fat. And like, so he's like, yeah, just eat anything. If it says low fat, that's great. Just eat as much as you want. And I was like, that's not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that you and I talked about a couple of months ago when we caught up um, was the doctors just aren't given the tools, but they're given the license to give people the information. So it's the, it's this, it's literally like giving the keys to your 10-year-old to a car. It's like, I've got access to drive, but never been taught about how to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like I've got friends who've gone through uni and they're now GPs and things and we'd have these discussions on nutrition and I'm like, well, how much nutrition have you done? And like one of my mates who's like, he's fast tracking to become quite like a name in the industry. He's like, there's one day of nutrition and I skipped it. And I was like, (laughs) shit, man, like what are you talking about? (laughs) Like this is the foundational point of like exercise and nutrition is what prevents disease this is how you stop people coming to you and like we had this long debate about like how important it was and he he couldn't get it and i was like oh man (laughs) (laughs) i had a friend last year that finished medicine as well and um you know we go back and forth pretty similarly in these little funny debates of like holistic argument versus conventional argument and and I, she graduated and I said, can you tell me as like Australia's newest doctor on the day she graduated, what do you know about nutrition? What can you tell me are the top three things? And she literally put her arms up like shrugging and was like, <laughs> fiber's important? Oh, oh my God, no. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. But in the process of like, you know, sort of steering people in the right direction, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some of the things that you sort of begin, what are the first challenges or things, things that you begin to deal with, with with this group of women? Obviously, belief systems is the first thing, but then when you actually get into the, the training, the nutrition, where do you start? Um, often, I start simple because so much of their life is so intense and full on and like if I go, all right, now we're going to do this, this and this and this, they're going to be like, no, I'm done. I can't, I just, I can't do this right now. Yeah. So it's things like, you know, it depends on the person, but honestly, the first thing I ever do is let's get a food diary, just track for the next three days. Like, you know, cliche as all hell, but then I can get an idea of where we're getting these spikes from, you know? Um, and then it's like making better choices. So we've been experimenting with a few different options for, like dealing with menopause and we've successfully completely removed all the symptoms. But awesome. the problem we then ran into was it was too restrictive for continuation. Like, yeah. so like basically what we'd done was we'd removed all carbs and then consistently what we're seeing is that um, especially women going through menopause are really, really sensitive to carbs. Mm-hmm. So like we removed them all, we went mod fat, moderate protein and within six weeks, all hot flushes were gone, all like they dropped weight like no tomorrow. Like in an eight-week span, she went down four dress sizes, like phenomenal results, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. And this was that, this is the conundrum that we have and this is my problem because I'm like the research says that this works, but I'm like I can't ask, you know, your average woman to never eat carbs again. Like that's totally that's not a realistic thing. And I'm like so we need to find this balance on it. 
So what we found now is one, choosing the carb sources really well, which I assumed like, but this is me experimenting with it. So like we're going to, you know, your fruits and your, you know, your potatoes, your pumpkin, your sweet potatoes, like getting your proper ones and then your low, um, uh, low GI carbs are much better options. And the one that we're seeing really good success with at the moment, which I found really interesting is um, blocking all your carbs to the morning. Yeah. So I, I was surprised. I started this to see if it would go the other way, but we've seen some really good success. If you go, you stop eating carbs at around midday, mm-hmm. that, that it gives your insulin time to calm down. And the women are seeing a much greater drop in their menopause-related symptoms. And as I said, it doesn't make sense. Like this is the snowflake principle all over again. I'm like, this shouldn't work like this. Yeah. But, you know, N equals one situation and it's working really well. So I'm like, all right, let's run with that. Well, as you said at the start, like everybody's an individual. And when we're, the reality is that we're, you know, we're essentially socialized monkeys that are living in this extremely toxic unnatural world when our genes are not designed for this at all and everybody's life has you know when we're talking about 40 50 60 year olds that's a lot of years of absorbing toxins for breathing in terrible air for drinking uh, tap water in australia or in any country that has pharmaceutical drugs in it because of the nature of our over sort of consumed world when it comes to drugs and and you know even after they go through the treatment plants there's still drugs on the other side of, of that and so by the time you get to uh you know 50 and 60 or 40 50 and 60 it's unsurprising in a way that it does it goes against the research because you're like well life was so fucked up that of, of course it doesn't work how it's meant to <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> you know and you just got to play that by ear and like you know you got to see what works for them. And like, we've seen weird things like some people react, like if you give them potatoes, suddenly their menopause symptoms goes through the roof. And I'm like, why, what, what's going on there? But you make it sweet potato and suddenly that person's fine. Yeah. And it's why we set this like base parameter. And then we kind of work from there because yeah, as I said, you can't just blanket statement these people. It just doesn't work like that. And it's interesting. You mentioned that like toxic buildup, Because what we've started seeing, which I found really interesting, and again, there's not much research on it, is people getting like these flus and stuff when we start to get them to lose weight. And the little research I could find was that as they're breaking down their fat cells, it's releasing the toxins that they'd consumed during that time back into their body. And so like, I've got to, you know, you've got to encourage them to keep pushing through because they feel like shit. And I'm like, this is the reversal of all the shit that you put into your body over the last 50 years you now need to deal with this for a little while. It's interesting you mentioned that. So I really, as you already know, but for the <laughs> listeners, like when men of around the same age that are sort of obese or been carrying a lot of weight for a long time, as they start to go on a serious weight drop, uh, they get gout in their joints and that's yeah. because the, the, the fat cells store uric acid, which is responsible for gout in the joints. And so yeah. it's this, this, this period of sufferance because... You know, it, yeah, the fat is stored food energy, but also with what went in with that food was all sorts of bullshit, not just in the food, but in the environment and yeah. the water and, you know, in wherever you're living, maybe you had mold exposure in your house, et cetera, et cetera. And so yeah. there's so much crap to come out of there and the liver gets hammered filtering yeah. that stuff. It's this fascinating thing. And you look at like all this stuff that they're going through and like nobody's talking about it. Like it really is that like nobody wants to discuss these kinds of things and like how to address that and I'm like, you just need to keep going. 
Um, and like yeah. I ended up actually having an argument with a doctor about this um, because we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> but like he was the doctor of one of my clients, and the guy, um, his cholesterol went through the roof basically. And yeah. I was like, okay, what's going on here? And the doctor freaked out and was like, you're going to have a heart attack. Oh my God. Take, what are they, statins or whatever they are? Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, no, like it's fine. It's because you're losing weight and like, kind of all this kind of stuff and so he they ended up listening to the doctor went off the diet and the cholesterol came back down because he started putting weight back on yeah i was just like no but and the doctor was like that's amazing whatever you did for your diet is spot on and i was like no it's not (laughs) he's getting fat again cholesterol is like a you know tiny tiny heart disease risk being overweight is a massive one. Like totally, and one of the myths with cholesterol as well is that um, you know it's diet. You know it's a dietary problem. But if you if you downregulate or reduce the cholesterol in the diet, your liver will upregulate the production because it's deficient. So it's actually you know depending on the individual, it's seventy to ninety percent body bodily produced. It's not 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 from what you're eating. That's it. And like they just looked at total cholesterol. I was like, his good cholesterol's gone up. His bad cholesterol's gone down. That's a win, <laughs> you know. But yep. doctor was like, "Nope, this number bad. Take drugs." I'm like, oh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, you know, I said in the intro, context matters. It's it's important to look at the detail of the individual. Yeah, absolutely. I think you mentioned too before you were talking about, um, you know sort of, I guess, overwhelm and stress um, with when you're sharing new information or exposing people to new, new stuff. And, yeah. and I'm curious how, uh, how you work with stress because it's my understanding in the you know, perimenopause and menopausal stage is that stress is actually one of the core drivers and people have been four symptoms. And, and I guess as well, before I go into that, I should acknowledge that as two men sitting here, we obviously you know, have never had a period and yeah. let alone been through menopause. So all of this comes with that disclaimer. But yes. my understanding of the science is that the stress and what is essentially turned into cortisol resistance over you know four or five six decades is such a major driver of the symptoms and managing that stress is really really important to reduce those you know negative outcomes and not everybody experiences that either um, but I'm wondering yeah is that what you find as well that stress is is, is a driver of the problems. 100%. Um, so like when looking at the hormones, it depends on how far down the, we'll call it the burnout track people get. Um, so they can, and usually these are the type of women we're getting, they get to a point where they get to progesterone stealing. So they're so consistently running on um, cortisol that they actually their body goes, we need more. Where can we get more from? We're actually going to take yep. progesterone through the HPA axis and pull it out so that you get more cortisol and then that throws out your hormones and then that increases, you know, how your body shows up and those symptoms as we we're talking about. And so it becomes this whole thing of like, you know, food is really, really important, obviously. Like that's such a keystone. But stress, for especially if you've already got really bad symptoms, even if we're going like perimenopause and we're talking like your period's really bad and stuff like that, reducing your stress levels and even if that's purely on a physiological level, will greatly impact how that shows up. And, you know, as you said, I've got no idea what those feel like, but I know what, you know, we've been doing this nearly eight years, how that's consistently shown up and how those people, how our clients feel is if we can address your stress at home, you'll be better off kind of thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And interesting you mentioned that progesterone stealing. And I think that highlights one of the fundamental flaws for most people, not everyone, but in the medical approach to menopause. So it, it firstly blows my mind that menopause, a natural process of a woman's life that has been a natural process of a woman's life for, for all eternity is deemed a medical condition. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that then leads to what the response usually is. And so often these women are having progesterone stealing or estrogen stealing because of the, you know, the obviously massive uh, reduction in production. And so the drugs that are then provided are hormone replacements rather than going back up the chain to the HPA axis, like you said, and finding where the initial imbalance is coming from to cause the progesterone or estrogen stealing. And so it's it's just this sort of band-aid solution of oh there's not enough estrogen or progesterone we'll just boost it synthetically yeah. rather than going up the chain and being like hang on why is there an imbalance because what should happen most of the time is that when those follicle stimulating hormones are pump, you know pumped through the roof and calling these causing these imbalances is that the adrenals and the other glands in the body should upregulate in a healthy individual yeah. the the production of these hormones it will be definitely a, a reduced amount and it will definitely be a less um, powerful sort of amount let's say but those should upregulate to carry somebody through the process, which is why there's you know up to a third of women that go through this phase with little to no symptoms at all because yeah. you know for, it might be their genetics, it might be their life, they might be great, at, they might be yogis, they might be great at managing their stress, <laughs> yeah. whatever you know. But but yeah, just I'm glad you brought that progesterone stealing up and the HPA axis because yeah. you you got to look at the whole picture to solve the problem. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to be on hormone replacement therapy forever. That's exactly right, and that's the biggest problem because like yeah. They either go take drugs or suck it up. Those are literally the two most common answers, and it's like deal with it. Such is life. And I'm like, they've come for you to for help. That's not an answer. Like, are you serious? Totally. Um, but that's like when you know when I sit down and I'm like, all right, let's talk about how we're going to help you. There is always the three areas that we look at, and people get weirded out by it because you know they're like, that's a bit outside your scope. And I'm like, no, holistically, it's totally in my scope, and it's. Exercise, obviously, I own a gym. Then we go nutrition. Yep. And then it's lifestyle. Yep. How can, you know, because I only get to see you one hour out of the 24 a day, how can I address the rest of them? And there's like, you know, there's a thousand and one different ways you can go about like dealing with that stress levels. And, you know, we talk about like we've got a 90 day email sequence and we talk about it. And like the first, I think it is 28 emails is about stress. Like it's about stress and lifestyle because it's such an impact for these women. So it's things like, you know, meditation, journaling, you know, box breathing, nose breathing, you know, um, using things like shutki mats or getting massage, deep tissue, like all these things that allow you to, at least on the physiological level, address your stress, even if you can't deal with like, because, you know, there are things outside in terms of stress, outside our control, a dickhead co-worker, money, you know, life like that. We can't affect that. But if I can get you to calm down within that state and take you from the, you know, fight or flight back to a calm state, that's going to be a much better situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point too, is that we can't change the stress of life, but we can 100% learn to regulate our reaction to it. Absolutely. And like exercise becomes such a huge one. And this is this one where like I talk about physiological stress and you need to, that heart is not always better. Like, you know, you see that all the time and people are like, let's do hit, go 110%. Oh, and like <laughs> that, that is not what these women need. That is not what they need at all. 
we need to look at it in the balance of their life. Um, you know, and so one of the things that we do and it, it almost seems like it's just a normal conversation starter, but you know, they walk in and we go, how are you doing today? And that's a much deeper question than your average person. Like, Hey, how's it going? Kind of thing. It's, did you sleep well? Are you stressed out today? Is your nutrition gone to shit? Like, we need to know these things because if you're just, your life has overwhelmed you with stress, the last thing I want to do is put you through a hit workout. You know, you need to still exercise. Yeah, just add to the stress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Adding to that metabolic stress. So what we want to do is we want you to come in and still do exercise, but it'll probably be some light stretching, a bit of mobility, a bit of, you know, posture stuff, that kind of stuff. So you're still building that habit, but we're not pummeling you further into the ground. And like, if you look at all the studies done on exercise and things, so I think it was something like 21 million studies or something, don't quote me on that number, but it was an astronomical (laughs) amount of studies and something like 0.5% of them have been done on women. Right. Of those, something like 10% of them have been done on women over 40. Wow. (laughs) You know, so the average study is done on a male between 18 and 25. There is no correlation to what that study shows and what a menopausal woman would react. Absolutely. Like they're not they're not even the same thing. Apples and oranges. Yeah, that's where all our research comes from. I'm like, this is why it doesn't work. This is why we work in a broken system. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, absolutely. And and as well, um, I know that I keep referring to back in the day, but you you touched on something there too, was that like not only did these people go through that, you know, that period of time of yo-yo dieting, but it was also that a really, really active um, sort of cardio, cardio, cardio mentality, mentality in advertising and aerobics and that kind of thing in the 80s and 90s. Um, and that, you know, the idea back then, which is you're still here today, you must get this all the time, is that if I lift weights, if I do resistance training, I'm going to get bulky and I'm going to add weight and I'm going to look like a man. And, and in fact, many of these women in my experience benefit greatly 
differently from lifting weights, particularly because with the reduction in the uh, estrogen, uh, they it results in the, their bone density reducing. And so the, one of the ways that we increase bone density, um, especially whilst bones walking out the door, is to add weight to the bones. You know, add 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 some resistance training in there so that we can keep re- the, signaling to the body to keep rebuilding and replacing the bone that's walking out the door. So how do you do? You, do you have a lot of people that are sort of scared to lift weights? Absolutely. It is like one of the biggest things that we are consistently trying to educate people on. Um, the story I always refer to is we had a woman walk in for one of our trial sessions. She looks around and goes, there's no cardio equipment. And we're like, nope. She's like, you can't lose weight without cardio equipment. And I was like, well, we've been doing this pretty successfully for years now. And all of our clients <laughs> lose weight. And she's like, nope, can't be done. Left was so ingrained in her that it couldn't be done without running on a treadmill that she wasn't going to have a bar of it. So it is one of those things. And you hit the nail on the head. Like osteoporosis is so prevalent, especially like the closer you get to menopause and into menopause, the more it affects your bone density and that kind of stuff. You need to lift weights. It's just, it's not even a question. It's how often are you? Not should you. It's like how often are you kind of thing. And this is this battle that we're constantly having because, yeah, there is this notion that um, if I lift weights, I'll become big and manly. And I had this discussion just yesterday with um, a new client we brought on. And I was like, here's the thing you need to understand. Building muscle is extremely difficult. Like, you know, even me as a male pumping, you know, a young male pumped full of testosterone, I dedicate six days a week. My food is on point. Like it is hard, hard work for me to gain each kilo of muscle. You then reduce your your testosterone, you add another 30 years to that. Chances of you ending up looking like me are so small that, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, you know, and you see those women who are like, you know, they're jacked out of their minds. And I'm like, they've dedicated probably the majority of their life to looking that way. That doesn't happen mm. by accident. And, you know, but as you said, like, lifting weights raises your metabolic rate. It increases the density of your bones. It makes you stronger and less likely to get hurt as you age. Like it allows you to sleep better, recover more. Like the list of benefits of weight training is ridiculous. And we don't we don't advertise any um, aerobic capacity exercise at all. Um, like in terms of like steady state, I mean. Like obviously we're going to work yeah. on your aerobic capacity, but not. I don't want you to go running your joints are already messed up. Your knees and ankles are already messed up from years of neglect. Last thing I want you to do is go pound them on the road. Like that's just not, not the answer kind of thing. Absolutely. I I equate the, the cardio kind of, uh, myth, let's say, um, to like telling people they need to sleep more. We're so programmed for stimulation that when you say to someone, because People associate cardio with just feeling knackered, which tells their brain that I've done something, I'm tired, I must get a fitness result. When you say, actually, if you're going to lose more weight or your brain's going to work better or whatever it is by going to sleep for eight hours and prioritizing that, people struggle to process that because it's so inactive. And I I kind of feel that it's the same with telling people, no, cardio, you've got to do weights. And it's like, it's less in your face, if you know what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) And like... There are two points that come to mind on that one. The first one is I had a client lose five kilos because we fixed her sleep. We didn't get her in the gym. She couldn't, like she was away. And I was like, here's what I want you to do for your sleep. She suddenly started sleeping properly and she lost five kilos. Like it matters. Like sleep and recovery matters. 
And then the second one I always come back to, like when, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to get bulky. I'm like, you drive a car. Does that make you a NASCAR driver? Like, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's like, just because you lift weights doesn't mean you build muscle. Like, they're not yeah. directly related things. So, yeah. you know, and but it is a consistently propagated myth. Like, even today, people are like, you want to lose weight, go for a run. No. Yeah. No, don't do that. Even in the lockdowns of 2020, you saw everyone running everywhere and, and people still getting bigger. Yeah. That's it. Like, and I suppose the other one that comes with that is this notion that you can out eat a bad diet. And we see that all the time. Like, even my clients who we consistently educated, and again, it's one of those ingrained things that they come in, they go, Oh, I, I had a bender on the weekend. Yeah. So I'm going to like, I'm going to do double sessions this week and I'm going to train like 10 hours this week. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> it's not how it works. Like, we're just going to keep it nice and steady. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're just going to adjust your nutrition a little bit. It'll be fine. Like, exercise and nutrition shouldn't be punishments. Like, yeah. And this is something I try and teach people on. You know, exercising and eating good food is rewarding your body. It's not punishing you. It's rewarding you so that you can live a better life. You can have more energy. You can do the things you want to do. When you can flip your thinking to that, you'll find the whole process so much easier. Totally. I, I kind of, on the days that I'm struggling to get myself into a workout, one of the perspectives that I try and take with um, lift and weights is it's a celebration of my body's capacity. Love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what it needs to be like. You know, if you always make it punitive, of course you're going to quit. Like, totally. You know, and it's why those 12 week challenges and things don't work is because it's about a punitive thing. It's let's see how hard we can smash you, nutrition, exercise, and everything wise for the next 12 weeks. Of course, at the end, you're going to go, well, I'm going to go now stuff myself full of pizza and ice cream and wine. Like, I've been so good. Now let me, you know, you know, you need to shift it into a lifestyle, not a short-term fix. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of um, what you said before, you know, you can't outrun your fork essentially, yep. is that, um, you know, what kind of nutrition do you focus on, not just for fat loss, but for, you know, managing these symptoms and these experiences that these people are having? What kind of foods and what kind of nutrition is effective in helping just sort of lower the impact of what they're going through? Um, so the few kind of points that we always make that make it nice and easy is one, you need protein with every meal. I know that's something that you preach. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> it's something, especially for women, like when you get your nutrition right, it's a lot of food. Like, you know, you need a lot of food. And if you start having that protein with every meal, it makes it easier to get the right amount of calories in. Yeah. But obviously from there, choosing better qualities is always better, but if you just start eating protein, I count that as a win kind of thing. Yeah, that's the first one on my list too for everyone, man, is like we got to get the protein right. If we get that right, it's easy and usually most people, you know, have no issue putting more, you know, of a roast on their plate or yeah. a steak on their plate. They're like, oh, I love that. Like, yeah. sounds awesome. <laughs> it's usually easy. That's I mean, it. it's the volume though that's the challenge. The volume, yeah. Because like we've got a client and we've reversed her out at the moment so she's at 2,000 calories. She's like, it's so yeah. much food. And I'm like... I thought I'd be hungry when I'm dieting. And I'm like, if you do dieting properly, you shouldn't be starving all the time. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, yeah, getting your protein in is always that one. Um, smashing through good quality vegetables as well. Like that becomes really important because 
again, that filling up, but, you know, the fibre and all the nutrients that come with that. Yeah. Um, water, like, it always pains me that I have to say that, but, like, you need to drink water. Like, shit. <laughs> you need, like, two litres a day at least of water. And, yes, you might go to the toilet more often, but you need to be hydrating yourself with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's there's so many people in Australia. I've done a bunch of presentations and, and included, you know, even the legit Australian guidelines say two and a half for Australians and it's about 51% that even meet that mark. And most people that I work with in, in the first sort of module of my program, there's a hydration sort of video and, and, and stuff to implement and people start checking it and they're like, I don't even get to a litre a day. And I'm like, well, there's a big portion of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like, you know, you need to be getting that water in and it hydrates yourself and it'll make your brain work better and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, one of the things, especially in terms of like kickstarting your day is I'm like, you've been lying down for, you know, six to eight hours, depending on how well you sleep. Go have about like 750 mils of water. Just slam that hydrate yourself suddenly you'll notice after a week or so oh i feel really good in the morning i wake up and i'm more energetic yeah it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) no i do the same thing with my clients but so we got protein water what else we got um i like fasting fasting is a really big one for me give that body a chance to reset itself to calm down Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and in terms of like weight loss really easy like that's an instant win like you reduce your calories you don't really need to think about it but it has all those other benefits as well um in terms of clearing your body and consistently i've had clients go my mental clarity got better that mental fog because that's a big one for the menopause they get that mental fog yeah they're like that just lifts that kind of stuff um and then yeah so that's a really big one and that can be done like i like 24 hour fast so dinner to dinner so you still eat every day but you just don't eat the breakfast and lunch. Or if you want to go simpler again, 16-8 is a wonderful option. So 16 hours of fasting, eight-hour eight hour eating window kind of thing. Yeah, we love that here on the show. Yeah, <laughs> and it just makes it a really good option on that front. And then the last one's kind of like look at your fats and your carbs. So yeah, you need more fat, especially for women who are going through menopause, than you could ever imagine. Like we don't want to go crazy but like this whole low fat thing is horrendous. So you need to be getting fats that will encourage you um, to produce your DHEA because that's a precursor to your sex hormones. So if you're not getting those in, you're not like you're already taking away from that. And then we've got that progesterone stealing or that estrogen stealing and you just, you're just stacking on top of those problems kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So like choosing good fat sources, you know, like getting your avocados, your nuts, your um, fishes, like your omega-3s, all that kind of stuff. That's really important. So you need a nice wide variety on that front. Um, And then on the other hand, with the carbs, I'm like, you need to stay away from the sugary ones. Like, you know, yes, that's a standard. That's refined. Yeah. (laughs) It's a standardized preaching thing from a personal trainer or any health expert, but it just, it needs to be said. Like we can consistently see the direct correlation between, oh, you had an ice cream, oh, you slept terribly, oh, you had all your hot flushes, you were gone for two days kind of thing. Like, Yeah, totally. You, know, you, you can make your own choices and this is the one I always say to people, I'm like, you're an adult, but if you're going to pay for my advice, here is my advice, stop eating sugar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's a huge one, man. Like, yeah, the refined stuff. And I think I always just start with, did it come out of the ground? essentially, 
with your carbs. Like if it came out of the ground, it's it's probably pretty good. You know, the whole real food is sort of my the message that I preach a lot. Um, yep. and, and then, you know, from there you can pick and choose kind of thing. But that transition across that space is, is very challenging and often driven by, more by emotions than, you know, nutritional yep. requirements. That's it. And look, one of the things and I've had to outsource some of this is sometimes you need to go talk to a psychologist like and 100%. Like people are like, how can you say that? And I'm like, because you have a bad relationship with food and yourself. And when you get upset, your answer is I need to be quickly pleased. And the easiest way to do that is to eat sugar. And like people don't want to talk about that, but I'm like, it's such a thing. Like your relationship with yourself and your instant gratification is so high that instead of being going, oh, will this benefit me long term? You go, I need to feel good in this moment right this second. Yeah. How is the quickest way I can do that? Oh, absolutely. And and on this podcast, I've had so many different psychologists, uh, emotional eating experts, um, food addiction experts, sugar addiction experts, and it all comes down to um, emotions with self, emotions with stress, and emotions with childhood trauma. And you know, for some people, that sounds a bit fluffy and like, oh, but that's if it sounds fluffy, it's probably confronting you because you've got some stuff to work on. Yeah. And like the one I came back to and like I ended up referring her out was we had this client and it didn't matter what we did. We couldn't like we've got things that we do and we're trying to help you break through those habits and like your associations and stuff. We couldn't get through. And one time she sat down and it came out that her mum had told her she was fat at nine years old and taken her to Weight Watchers. She had been on Weight Watchers since she was nine years old. And I was like, I can't, I can't touch that. That's so far outside my scope. And I'm like, you're never going to get the results you want until you deal with the emotions associated with your mum basically going, you're not good enough as it is now. Like, yeah, Yeah, that's some heavy stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's fluffy and woo woo. And people are like, oh, psychology is like for crazy people. I'm like, it's not. We've all got baggage, man. You need to just, go talk to someone and work through it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the thing is too, I find with people that um, that are beginning that journey, like there's definitely some physical nutrition that kind of backs up the experience of supporting your, you know, your happy hormones, your hunger hormones and these types of things and, and, and stress as well. Like, you know, magnesium-rich foods, magnesium yeah. so important for stress, zinc as well. Huge. These are both involved in hundreds of metabolic processes in the body and virtually everyone's deficient, let alone yeah. being a menopausal woman that's, you know, having bleeds or, you know, having inconsistent bleeds or, you know, going through that process of dropping a lot of blood and, and not just that, but all of the metabolic resources that you lose in abundance in those moments, ending up low in iron is super common. Iron deficiency is most common deficiency in the world, especially for people going through this phase. And that leads yeah. to not enough metabolic tools for you to build the appropriate hormones to give you yourself resilience and positive perspective. And so, yeah. you know, there's so many angles to come at this nutritionally, magnesium, B-complex, you know, um, vitamin D, calcium, but it still doesn't replace actually going and sorting out your bullshit. Yeah. And one of the things I often say is like we talk about nutrition and like, yes, we, we provide full nutrition, like whatever that will look like. But I'm like, I can give you the perfect plan under the sun that will deliver everything you need. If you can't do it because of everything that's going up in your head, it doesn't mean shit. So we've got to find within our scope what will work for you, what you can consistently come at more often than not, and then hopefully over time push you to go deal with that shit because, yeah, I can. there's only so much I can do. 
after that point, you've yep. got to go do it on your own. Yeah, absolutely, man. This has been a great conversation, but mm. where can everyone find you online if they want to learn more? So we've got our Facebook um, page, Steps to Greatness is the one for that, or you can check out our website, which is www.steptogreatness.com.au. There's plenty of blog posts and that kind of stuff on there, and the Facebook page is full of new content that's consistently coming out, and we try and talk about this and try and make it as easily and digestible as possible for that. Awesome, man. Thank you. And for everybody listening, uh, all of um, Lachlan's links and handles and and whatever will be down in the show notes below. So just take a screenshot of this episode and share it with a friend if you feel like they could benefit from picking up some knowledge that's been shared today um, and reach out to Lachlan if you are interested in checking out his work or getting involved or solving any of the stuff that we've talked about today that you might be currently challenged by or be battling with. And so... Mate, to wrap up the show, I ask everyone this final question. What is one piece of health information you wish more people knew about? Got to go back to what we talked about earlier, man. Protein, protein, protein. It's just... Love it. If you're going to go simple, just eat some more protein with every meal and it would make a world of difference. Perfect. A perfect message for everybody listening and especially the people we've been, the demographic we've been talking about today, man. So thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate your time and I look forward to booking in another one of these. My pleasure, mate, and I look forward to it as well. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.